0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. If I met someone who had not had experience, I can't say that I would react much different than Arizona did in terms of I don't want to teach someone how to be gay either. But I also am like, I really like loving people. So, like, I probably would be fine with it anyway.
2: That's a calzone. That's a calzone. Uh- <laughs>
1: How have we not said that already?
2: I don't know! We have to go back we have to do the whole thing. We have to go back! <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Megan Fitzgerald. This podcast is a little bit TV review, a little bit relationship advice. We look at the best and worst of TV relationships and talk about why they work, why they don't work, what went well, how they mess it up, and most importantly, if we can relate to them and learn from them as we navigate our non-fictional love lives and non-fictional, steamy, steamy work crushes. I think this is the show that first glamorized work crushes for me. Never succeeded in making me want to become a doctor. This episode, we are talking about a show that quite frankly, I can't believe it's taken me a year to get to. All of the relationships are dramatic and complex and rich and full of shit to talk about. We're talking Grey's Anatomy. That's my do you love it? That's mm-hmm. the intro. Oh, I love it.
1: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> bing, bing, bop, boom. That's boom, the glee boom, boom. doing the bird. Doing yes, the Yes, 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 yes.
1: Acapella intro. <laughs> yeah.
2: We're talking specifically because there are so I there must be a dozen relationships at this point, but we're talking about Callie and Arizona, who actually have quite a long love story. Um, as they have about seven seasons together on the air, but specifically, we're going to be focusing on the early stages of their relationship uh, and talking about Callie discovering her bisexuality and Arizona's reaction to dating somebody who is newly out, and what we think of how she handles it. But first, uh, let's introduce this voice, this mystery voice who's here. <laughs> oh, Breathe, Kyle. Just breathe. 2 (sighs) a.m. So here he is. He's somebody I knew back when... I was singing, you know, the Grey's Anatomy songs, How to Save a Life, Chasing Cards, Breathe to AM, Loudly in the Streets of the Suburb. He's an actor, he's a musician, and he's one of my favorite people to talk about fictional and non-fictional people about. Kyle Frattini, welcome to the pod.
1: Hello! Hello, hello. So excited to talk about um, queer people on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah!
2: Yay! um kyle did you watch all 17 seasons in preparation for this episode
1: i did um <laughs> in one night yeah it was it was wild
2: wait can i tell you this is what i lo- was looking up right before we started guess how long it would take to oh. watch every episode of Grey's anatomy
1: <laughs> years i don't know i think i'm always surprised at how many episodes are in a season i'm like wait we're this well, is this one is season a- we're like 26 yeah. episodes
2: Yes, this is like old school seasons. Mm-hmm. It would take to fully catch up on Grey's Anatomy, fifteen days in three hours,
1: straight through, straight,
2: straight through, fifteen days.
1: You know, next pandemic. <laughs>
2: next pandemic. Wait, so let's talk about though our relationship to Grey's Anatomy because
1: everyone has one.
2: Everyone has one. It was special in our lives for a certain amount of time. It's just I never really know for how long and like Mm -hmm. at what time in someone's life because some people binged it later some people was like appointment television viewing with their family um so tell me about your Grey's anatomy relationship tell me about your anatomy Uh,
1: the anatomy of my gray's anatomy Anatomy. (laughs) is um i think i watched a lot of tv over my parents shoulders because Mm -hmm. they you know like controlled the remote on weeknights and I watched a lot of Grays like in middle school into high school, I believe, um, and sort of fell off the train. I feel like when a lot of people fell off the train, like after the plane crash, if I'm spoiling mm-hmm. for anybody, why are you listening oh, no, to this? no,
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: we're um, everyone.
2: We're only talking about seasons like one through seven. So yeah, at this yeah. Point, we're not.
1: 10 you, years you have back. half the other side of the show to watch more than yeah. half. Yeah. I watched a lot of it in middle school, high school, and then I rewatched it after college before deciding that there were other shows that I should probably be watching (laughs) other than reruns of Grey's but I got about as far as we got for this so
2: (laughs) that's I mean because season five so that's where we're we're really focusing on a lot of Mm -hmm. season five today that's a heavy season a lot a lot is happening it's the Izzy having cancer it's the George faceless can you even believe that that
1: much is crammed into five seasons of show how many seasons? 17? Are they on season 17? They're on
2: season 17.
1: What happens in the other 12?
2: Well, it's crazy because I was looking up, actually, I was looking up who are the couples in Grey's Anatomy now, and if they added more queer couples, and they did. They did. There are a couple. There are a few. And it, I found this article of like, where are all the couples in Grey's Anatomy like right now? Like the status update, which I appreciate. I was like, who's this writer? <laughs> Would they like to come on the podcast? But all these characters, I didn't recognize Anyone but Meredith, and I think Alex Karev is still. Alex on Karev it. was still there. Fun fact: mm-hmm. Alex
1: Karev, um, Justin Chambers used to come to Flywheel a lot, and
2: I bet he did.
1: Leave very quickly um, <laughs> before the class was over. Well, I was gonna also say gonna that start. not only did I rewatch Grey's, but I also binged a podcast called Nicole's Grey's Anatomy, where a woman talks about her love for Grey's Anatomy and mm-hmm. does focus on. Pretty much only characters I've never heard of, um, but I did oh, listen funny. to the entire podcast. So I like have that level of um, obsession with it where like yeah. I didn't actually watch the show for the most part, except for what we're talking about today. But I did listen to a lot of people talk about how they feel about it.
2: Yeah, I love hearing people talk about Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. because here's the thing is like at a certain point in culture, Grey's Anatomy had the power that like Game of Thrones had in recent years mm-hmm. where on monday people were talking about what happened on gray's anatomy on sunday because mm-hmm. i think at one point it was on sunday i think now it's on Thursday. now i think it's Deland thursday but i feel like at one point it was that like big sunday night slot or at least i remember people talking about the big plot points and big in Grey's Anatomy, in pop culture, like uh, on the news, in like round tables, like the Code Black episode. Where she has her hand on the bomb, which I rewatched this morning. For for what reason?
1: Just exhilarating. Pally, Just exhilarating. Not even, not even a, in it.
2: A moment of culture, but like such a big moment. That breathe two a.m. moment was huge. I remember my parents talking about it. But also Every- the
1: guest stars on that episode, oh, like it really was God. everything. It really was everything.
2: I think you could know where I am in Grey's Anatomy if you were a true fan by being in the other room and hearing me shouting out c- guest stars names. I'm like uh, Kyle yeah. Chandler. <laughs> yes. What's Christina
1: the little girl? Ricci. Christina Ricci I was like the little girl from Casper's and the Friendly yeah. Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I that that's the other thing about like loving TV and rewatching Grey's Anatomy is you see all these guest stars and you're like, oh my god, you're, I'm tracking their career. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, you before go you on, made it, you yes, were on exactly. Grey's, you were a on. body on Grey's. <laughs> this is why I think maybe I put off doing Grey's Anatomy on the podcast for a year because I would get so it was really hard to stop watching, and you can continue watching forever, yep. but I would get so. Uh, wrapped up in the guest stars episodes like i I'd, I'd just like be crying at like <laughs> this random story about you know siblings getting their stomachs removed and i'd be like that guy would go on to be a recurring guest star on jane the virgin good for him oh my god um, like you're,
1: you're watching your friends even though you don't know yes, them but like it's like checking them. in on your friends
2: Yes, I'm like, look at you at 23. If I could only tell you now that you'd go on to play Michael Cordero's mother. But to take it back, my I think I am was the same. I remember watching at least, I remember watching season two at least live because I remember watching the whole Denny plot line mm-hmm. unforgettable. As, as unforgettable, as an emotional middle schooler. Um, and I kind of feel ashamed of how early I dropped off because I think I was dropped by season five. Um Yeah, and it's sad because I really did love it at the time. And I remember, I remember like staying up in my living room and printing out, ready, Grey's Anatomy monologues to memorize and learn. (laughs) That's good. Because like, you know, when when you were a middle schooler and you had to find monologues online and you Mm -hmm. would Google like monologues. And someone has
1: typed out the Grey's Anatomy monologues onto like some forum somewhere. And you're like, copy, paste, print every single one of these. I am. Kelly Torres. <laughs>
2: yep. Printing them out on the family printer. Oh, guess who I thought I was? I was printing out Izzy monologues. Like, uh,
1: Of course. Of, of course. course.
2: Because when you're middle school, you're like, I'm Izzy. And now who am and then I you're actually? Like, Addison. <laughs> I
1: am. It's the hair. It's, it's the, the hair. attitude.
2: Yeah. It's the like, who the fuck is this man to treat me this way? That's the natural um, progression.
1: And I'm actually so happy that you're not Izzy anymore. That's yeah. important.
2: Uh, but I think Grey's Anatomy did start my love for monologuing. It is a lifelong habit of constantly writing dramatic speeches for my non-fictional life. Like I am constantly in my daytime fantasies and in my like, you know nighttime sexy fantasies. Um, I I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing monologues. I mean I'm writing Yeah I'm writing, "Pick Me, Choose me, Love me." I'm writing, "I love you all the time, every minute of every day. I'm writing like, "What about me, Daddy? What about me?
1: I wish I had the gall in my everyday life to speak like a Grey's Anatomy character. to like, And we both work. We both work with people. If somebody wrongs me in my day-to-day mm-hmm. life, I wish I could say more than one sentence to them. I wish oh, I could yeah. be like, how dare you? How dare you? Just, you know, repetition and all of the things that like make a good monologue, but yes. in speaking to a human being that actually exists. It's,
2: it's an iconic part of our culture. There are so many couples on it that I really do think my uh, my retirement plan when I want to stop watching ever, uh, other TV shows for this podcast is I'm just going to, like, give up and talk about the Grey's Anatomy ones. Because I could talk... Meredith and Derek, I think part of the reason that they are so problematic is because the show actually is exploring so many relationship themes that they go through so much that is, like, bad that you'd be like, no, I don't want my non-fictional... People in my real life to go through everything Meredith and Derek could go through. I think the show just wanted to explore these different themes. Absolutely. So Fortunately, it falls on mostly on uh, this one couple. But um, it's a sound.
1: In, it's a sound investment. You get so yeah. much bang for your buck if, as a gossip relationship podcast. You exactly you'd never have to watch anything else ever again.
2: Right. And to I mean to the credit of the episode we're doing today, the side characters, the side couples also have a lot to talk about. I think every. What the show does best and has always done best is relationships, friendships, work relationships, romantic relationships. That's what they build so well. And I think Callie in Arizona is an example of one of many that explore really specific and unique themes, but also some like overall grandeur themes as well. So I think there's just a lot to talk about today. Tons. Do you remember your early thoughts about them? Or do you have like general thoughts going into this episode before we really did this deep dive? What are your give me your like primer takes on on Calzona, which Uh, is actually a good ship
1: name. It's such a good ship name. Calzona is such it fits so well together. Maybe they came up with that first and then gave them both separate names afterwards. (laughs) I this is where we're going. I know that they were the first queer couple I ever remember seeing on TV. Oh, wow. And I think maybe the first queer kiss I ever saw on TV, it's like, it's between that or Degrassi, one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I watched mm-hmm. Degrassi in secret. So there's some, <laughs> the the so memories I, when those I'm are coded and hidden. Yeah. Later. Okay. All right. <laughs> but I, they're definitely the first queer couple I saw. And I just remember being like very um, excited by it. And mm-hmm. like, we'll get into this, but like there is not that much shame around any of it. And like, they're met with a lot of sympathy when they're like, when there is shame, like, we'll get mm-hmm. into her father's relationship with her yeah. and all that. But, like, there is community around her. And the, the storyline, even when this was airing, wasn't focused on, like, the difficulty of coming out. Right. And, like, these yeah. are two grown women. One of them is uh, is has been out. And one mm-hmm. of them is discovering her bisexuality. And the storyline that they're giving you is, like, oh, she's falling in love. And this is so beautiful and incredible. And mm-hmm. the struggles that two human beings that are in a relationship can have... As opposed to when I was watching Degrassi, somebody getting Mm. like bashed for being gay, which is right informative, (laughs) but not even something we're struggling with still today. I still get upset watching things where I'm like, are we really still talking about about somebody getting yelled at by their dad for being gay? I don't need to watch this,
2: right? Well, I and I think even. To put it in context, like that episode, Grey's Anatomy started in 2005. This was a season five, season six episode. So that plot line would have happened around 2010. So this is still like 10 years ago. I don't think the plot line with her dad would happen today. Like, I don't think a writer's room would cover that today. But even 10 years ago, I remember it being, I think that's why um, Callie in Arizona and specifically Callie means so much to so many people because she is so clear about her feelings from the beginning. Totally. like She doesn't really struggle with labels. She doesn't really struggle with, oh God, how could I feel this way? She doesn't, even though she's religious, it's Mm -hmm. very much built into the show, she doesn't seem to have guilt or shame around having feelings for Erica or Arizona. She seems to, and is pretty, is able to identify her own bisexuality like pretty quickly. Absolutely. And I think that, at the time was really refreshing for a lot of people because we're coming off of these 90s early aughts shows where we're dealing with terrible tropes with gay characters where gay characters are seen as slutty and gay characters Mm -hmm. they're you know we're getting like the bury the gays where the gay characters were like put to the sidelines and like killed off more frequently than the heterosexual characters so you know, I don't think we'd get it today, but I think at the t- like, I think Callie is so important. And she's also r- longest running LGBTQ character in TV history. Yeah. Because she's on for 11 seasons, 239 episodes.
1: 239 got... episodes is mind-blowing.
2: Mind-blowing. I'm trying to think of my initial thoughts when I was younger about Callie in Arizona I think at the beginning, I did not like Callie as much because
1: they very much, I was going to say something about this, but maybe I'll just yeah. say it briefly. Yeah. The beginning of Grey's Anatomy as an adult is so funny to watch because they went so hard on the archetypes that they put these people in to the point yeah. where if you watch the pilot, Christina rides a motorcycle to the hospital on the first episode. And like, sure, I guess if they'd like kept that going it'd be like, yeah, Christina rides a motorcycle. But they were like, yeah, she's a bad bitch doctor. And Callie mm-hmm. was like, hardcore and like she breaks bones because she's an orthopedic surgeon and that just kind of phases out pretty pretty much entirely by season five six seven like Callie's well adjusted Callie is a sweetheart Callie Mm -hmm. like expresses herself well and that switch from like verging on um goth Callie at the beginning it's like a very different people would identify with that character very differently four seasons later
2: well, listen, this is why we all have to drop mediocre men like
0: George
2: O'Malley, <laughs> because that's the reason I relate to Callie the most. Mm-hmm. Is like I, too, have fallen for somebody that looking back, I'm like, how the fuck? Whenever I just need to. I, I'm just going to talk about it. Let it out. Quickly, Let it out. By George O'Malley bit, because I can't do a whole episode on him. I won't give it to him. No. So. I was thinking back on this and I'm watching, you know, them talk about how Callie and George were married and and George and Izzy were sleeping together. And I'm like, how in the world are these two stunning women fighting over George O'Malley? As an audience member, I'm like, how in the fucking world is this happening?
1: It never made sense to me as a middle schooler. As a (laughs) middle schooler, I was like, Why? Why do they like George? And I think there's maybe a grain of that's how you're supposed to feel about it. Yeah. But even even Meredith has like a moment with him and it's yes. like Are are you
2: the, Am I missing the, something? The star of the show is the gonna star fall in George O'Malley. And then I think back on these moments where I have like thrown daggers with my eyes at other women because of my jealousy and Fixated and stewed about my feelings for some guy, and if he was hanging out with this other girl. And I think about it, I'm like, "That's such." I had a moment of clarity recently where I was like, "How are we quote unquote fighting over this incredibly mediocre man?" And I was like, "Oh, it's just scarcity. It's just because there's not another mediocre. There's not another man here, and that's the George O'Malley problem. Is that like he was just around? He was just just around, and he was the option." Yes. Yeah, I was in a group of, like, very attractive, very cool women the other day. And there happened to be one dude there who was incredibly mediocre. But I think the entire night, all of us tried to, like, touch his arm at one point. And at the end of the day, I was like, why? Why? This is scarcity. George about- it's scarcity. Scarcity. Anyways, I just bring up to George to say is that I think Callie... Did have a rough romantic beginning. I think that's why the Arizona relationship was so lovely to see. And I think there are some tropes in TV romance, Derek and Meredith being probably the one of the top TV examples of them that are the will they, won't they trope. It's it's mm-hmm. watching them go back and forth and trying to figure it out. And then there are some couples on TV, and this is a little bit going to steal, ironically, from Erica's speech, where it kind of feels like glasses where <sighs> you put them on and you're like, oh. That's what it is. This is lovely. This is so much better than I than anything else I've experienced. And it's just like it just feels right. Mm -hmm. And I think for Callie in Arizona, after Callie had gone through so much other kind of crap, it was so nice to have somebody who was so sweet and kind and confident and into her who made it easy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason they're praised for being this healthy queer couple on TV in like the 2010s because they were just consistently good.
1: Yeah. For a while.
2: <laughs> for a while oh yeah until they're not until they're really not because
1: nothing can be can stay nice on Grey's Anatomy
2: no and I think that it's like if Grey's was a different show if Grey's had ended in season 10 I think they would have ended up together yeah but I think at a certain point you just have to like, accept that this is the trope of the show is that <laughs> I no guess one no
1: stays been... it's together like a soap opera.
2: completely yeah I have a lot of respect for people who are still watching Grey's Anatomy I really do because I think at this point you're not attached to you're not watching it for The comfort of these characters that you've known and loved forever. You're still watching it because you love
1: the storytelling.
2: Yeah, you love the storytelling. All right. So let's get into Callie and Arizona a little bit more. But first, we're going to go into our segment Relatable Content. Can you tell we used to sing a cappella (laughs) together? natural um <laughs> uh, okay so you may relate to callie in arizona if you've set a clear boundary for your dating life and somebody comes along who challenges
1: that you may relate to callie in arizona if you've ever dated someone with years more experience than you
2: mm-hmm. you may relate to callie in arizona if you fall for somebody who has a completely different life outlook than you do i love when callie was like. She has butterflies on <laughs> her scrub cap. Um, or if you cut off their leg. Just kidding. We're not talking about that today.
1: We won't, but I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> we can I talk- didn't <laughs> understand. You saved her life. You saved her life, but we can't have sex because you cut off my leg. I don't know that that's called good writing. I couldn't I couldn't say that that's called good writing.
2: I couldn't say. <laughs> there are certain moments I want to be in a writer's room so badly, like certain moments of TV history in the moment of how do, we, how do we drive tension here? Oh, how about she has to cut off her leg?
1: So she'll survive.
2: <laughs> and that causes a whole host of problems and it all comes back to the leg. <laughs> Imagine. <clears throat> okay. But we're not talking about today that today. We're talking about the early days of Callie in Arizona. The good old days. Back when you recognized the cast. Um, <laughs> so, specifically today, we're the topic we're going to talk about today with Callie in Arizona and how it relates to dating in our non-fictional lives is dating somebody while you are exploring or discovering your own sexuality or dating somebody who is still First discovering and exploring their sexuality. This is, of course, not the only theme of Callie and Arizona's relationship as they have seven seasons altogether. together. But I think it's worth talking about because Callie is shamed for her evolving sexuality pretty kind of intensely early on. And then she still, in spite of it, continues to explore relationships with women and arizona has a very specific reaction to the fact that Callie is new to her queerness that i think we should talk about because i think it comes up a lot in yeah. um dating lives so but i think we should start with to get into this Callie before arizona there's no arizona without erica i think
1: our brief spell with miss erica hahn
2: er- erica hahn so let's talk about erica who they get to know each other and this their love story kind of is neither of them have ever dated women before and they start as friends and they fall for each other and actually in rewatching, is very sweet and it is very like oh you're like it's like having a flirty work crush and people start to notice and look it's it's very let's give them something to talk about
1: yes they're just hanging out and then they hang out some more and they keep hanging out and then they start kind of kissing a little bit
2: yeah which like who hasn't
1: had that in any relationship that they've kind of blossomed into
2: right right it's a very natural trajectory i think what Sucks for Callie and it sucks that this was kind of her first this was her welcoming into her queer experience And again, I don't think this is something that would happen today in many communities Is that there's so much gossip at the hospital and it's not just oh you like this person it's ooh are you a lesbian like the first time? Somebody brings it up to her is actually it's Addison and Addison notices that Erica and Callie have chemistry and this is what her friend callie callie and addison are old friends So her friend says to her are you speaking the vagina monologues now that's how addison asks callie if she's dating a woman or if she's having feelings for a woman can you imagine so from the jump like she's not feeling supported or championed into exploring the very real chemistry and care she has for this it's like her now her association with exploring her queerness is met with mockery and also i think she's met with that this is going to be a big deal you know that she ha- it's it's going to mean something it's going to be a huge shift in her identity if she's starting to date women it's good it makes her a different person i think that's kind of what all of this gossip leads to her being associated with so i love addison but that is not allyship
1: not ally not an ally not
2: no not ally
1: just not handled well you know no because they don't know any queer people because they work at seattle grace hospital
2: <laughs> seattle grace hospital <laughs> seattle there is not a queer no, person not in one gay sight. not one gay from 2005 to 2010 <laughs> not a gay in sight
1: <laughs> i mean i think the whole like the not the crux of callie's character but like in the way that i was saying that she starts out as like badass bone crusher at the mm. beginning of the show she doesn't have a lot of friends at the beginning. They don't really like her. She's kind of, like, secondarily a bridesmaid for Christina at her at her right. and Burke's wedding because Christina doesn't have any friends either. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's kind of her spot in their friend group is, like, you also go here. And I think she's, like, a year older than the rest of them or something. Mm-hmm. But she kind of does things despite what people say, to spite right. pe- what people say. So she like sees this thing that she finds interesting and continues to do it. And I also think that that's kind of what people are drawn to about Callie and drawn to about her as a bi character on this show is like she really freely does explore it. Like there are the moments of people not being very good to her about it and being gossipy. It's not much of a blip on her radar. Ultimately, like she still goes for it. And then jumping ahead a little bit, she still really goes for it with Arizona. Despite what people say.
2: Right. And she goes for it. I think she's also not ex- afraid to explore what her sexuality may be. Yeah. It's not like, like, I don't think any sort of coming out story is one, um, is is one event. Mm-hmm. So it's, and I think with Callie, it wasn't like she slept with Erica and it all clicked for her. And she's like, totally. oh, this is who I am. This and is one so piece. She, this is one piece of who I am. And then she, I don't think that running to sleep with Mark was the right thing to do because she was in a relationship with Erica. But I think she had this moment where she was like, oh, I had, I really enjoyed sex with Erica, but I don't know that I enjoyed it more than sex with a man. So let me continue to explore my sexuality, have sex with a man. And she's very quick to understand that she's bisexual. And so then I think we should talk a bit about Erica's reaction to this because the bi erasure is is huge with erica because yes. erica has this reaction we should play i think we should play the leaves play the monologue. clip play the clip run
1: the clip
0: <laughs> that was amazing yay <sighs> it was for me too <laughs> <laughs> i mean that was amazing what did we do <sighs> my whole life my whole adult life I have been with men and it always felt, you know, fine, good, but I never. <laughs> I mean I mean I did, but not not like this. <laughs> this is like needing glasses. <laughs> Am I blinded you? No. When I was a kid. I would get these headaches and I went to the doctor and they said that I needed glasses. I didn't understand that. It didn't make sense to me because I could see fine. And then I get the glasses and I put them on and I'm in the car on the way home. And suddenly I yell because the big green blobs that I had been staring at my whole life, they weren't big green blobs, (laughs) they were leaves. On trees, I could see the leaves. And I didn't even know I was missing the leaves. I didn't even know that leaves existed. And then, leaves. You are glasses. (laughs) I am so gay. I am so, so, so gay. I am extremely gay. It is gorgeous.
1: It is gorgeous. And I've... on. I mean, I re-listened to it the other day, and I also, like, teared up and giggled because I've had multiple friends tell me about actually getting glasses and actually seeing leaves for the first time, like, recently. And I was like, is this... Did, did Grays Wait, what? Which came first? But, <laughs> but like, when when I think about my own coming out, it was like... I mean, I knew I was gay. I knew I was mm-hmm. gay for a long time. But the first time I had to, like... The first time I was having feelings for a guy... And, like, actually feeling excited and actually feeling those, like, crushy feelings, it was like, well, now I can't put this away anymore. Like, mm. yeah, I can look at hot guys and be closeted and not think too, like, not think anything of it. But when I'm actually developing feelings for a person, which is kind of what's happening with Erica when she's delivering this monologue, is like, mm. oh, I felt things before, mm-hmm. but now, like, this is it for me. Yeah. And recognizes yeah. that that she is coming out as a lesbian in realizing that she has these feelings for Callie, and then when Callie then sleeps with Mark because she has had positive sexual uh, or or exciting sexual experiences with men, and then comes back being like, "I'm I'm not just a lesbian." Erica meets her with the, "You can't be that kind of lesbian. Don't be that yeah. kind of lesbian." Which is, yeah, like you were saying, it is by erasure. She's. Not allowing Callie's experience of like, no, I enjoyed these things. I enjoy both of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, let's like, let's, I think, talk about this moment for a while, because I think this is an important moment, too, is like, Callie also doesn't handle it that well. Like, Erica's having this hugely emotional realization she's so she's this monologue is delivered beautifully she's like crying she's she's crying out of joy like it's such this like beautiful experience for her that Callie kind of instantly shuts down by literally walking out of the room so i think that a part of erica's reaction is coming from hurt and also then she sleeps with mark so then yeah. erica's reaction is probably coming from hurt and just having a different queer experience than Callie is having I don't know i think like our understanding of bisexuality is as a at least with our age group with millennials is better than it was five years ago even mm-hmm. i completely think, like,
1: completely like I,
2: like I i even think i think the things that our kids will call us um narrow-minded about are labels are mm-hmm. being like oh you're a lesbian you're bisexual blah, blah blah versus understanding a spectrum of sexuality yeah um and i think that that's I think more and more people are n- not assuming heteronormativity. People are assuming us that people spectrum, probably fall yeah. somewhere on the spectrum. H- I think the way that Erica tries to force Callie into some kind of box at the beginning could have been a really damaging thing for Callie.
1: Completely. And I think also just in terms of writing, it is like Erica realizing her, I guess, binary of like, you're either mm-hmm. straight or you're gay. Because she's realizing that she is gay. Yeah. And so she's speaking from her place of experiencing, oh, this is the first time this has made sense to me. And then, yes, Callie doesn't handle it well. But Callie is also, like, processing her experience of, like, well, yes, I enjoy this. But I think I also enjoyed this runs away and does this.
2: <laughs> right. Right.
1: I thought I thought of a thought, which is mm-hmm. that a lot of shows that um, portray homosexual, bisexual, relationships, you go into the show a la Degrassi being like, this character is gay. Marco uh-huh. on Degrassi is like, that is his storyline and then it moves past him coming out once that storyline has taken place. Whereas you go into Grey's Anatomy and Callie is a appearing heto- heterosexual female. Mm-hmm. And and this storyline is interesting in coming from a place of like, I knew this character as... In the way that you would know a friend that you had never suspected to be gay before. Mm-hmm. That, like, her whole storyline is not her being gay. Right. And I don't think that a lot of shows did something like that. And I don't know that Grey's Anatomy writers four seasons before were like, and Callie eventually will have a relationship with a woman. Right. And I don't know right. really how, like, their spitballing or whatever works on this show. I don't know how often they've, like, thought of five season long arcs. But mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of shows at this time would have had a care a a very staple character to the series discovering their sexuality this far into the show.
2: Right. Right. And I think that's another reason why she means so much to so many people because uh, statistically, apparently like more bisexual women come out later in life. Mm -hmm. Like, and I know a lot of women who have started dating, Who have always dated men who started dating women in their like mid 20s late 20s early 30s because there was a person that turned their head yeah we didn't put these words on it at the time but i think callie is pretty comfortable with there being a spectrum of sexuality early on
1: i think yeah absolutely absolutely
2: great for her
1: good for you callie (laughs) so progressive of you
2: so progressive um so let's talk about arizona's reaction so uh, Arizona, who has been, it's. See, I think we do get a timeline. She's been out for a while. She does talk about how she came out to her dad. Yes. And so she, she says, I deal with babies all day. I prefer not to do it in my dating life. Meaning that when she hears that Erica was the first woman Callie had been with, she decided she did not want to pursue a relationship with Callie. So what do we think about this? Let's talk about dating someone who is new in who is newly exploring their queerness Um, and what do we think about arizona's reaction
1: i mean coming from coming out because i had a crush on someone and liking Mm -hmm. somebody that was older than me and had much more experience than me i just applaud callie so hard for being like actually i do want to date you because i'm great and i think you're really cool and i'm confident in myself which maybe comes from being a little further along in life Than I was as a 19 year old. But Arizona, I I would say now at 26 that I maybe would have closer to what Arizona's reaction is if I were to find out that someone had never really dated before. If I met someone who had not had experience, I can't say that I would react much different than Arizona did in terms of I don't want to teach someone how to be gay either. But I also am like, I really like loving people. So like, I probably would be fine with it anyway.
2: No, you would because you're so kind and love because you you. are kind. And here's the thing at the end of the day, like Arizona is so kind and reasonable and loving. And I think that's why she does ultimately say yes Mm -hmm. and ask Callie out. But I understand, obviously, like I can't speak from personal experience, but I have a lot of friends who are queer that have been burned before by people who are experimenting and are either A not sure that they even do like the same sex, that they uh-huh. enjoy having sex with the same sex, that they enjoy intimacy with the same sex, or B that they're ready to come out. Totally. And I think in a lot of ways, if if you've been burned enough times by those situations, it can be a really healthy boundary to set of like, I'm not going through this again. Completely. I'm not gonna be the one to pull you out of the closet.
1: Because I've done this and it sucked. I've mm-hmm. done this and it sucked and and we don't know that Callie's not going to do that. Right. And Arizona, right. we don't know that when we don't actually know that Arizona's ever had that happen before either. But if she right. has, I mean, the way that she says, I work with babies all day, I'm not trying to work with babies in my love life. Like, mm. we get the sense that Arizona, she's bubbly, she's kind, she would be somebody that could coach a baby gay into being a full-fledged gay. And so she sets this boundary, and Arizona – is over it and Callie really goes after it.
2: Yeah. And honestly, as somebody who tends to give too much in their love life, like, I understand. I maybe shouldn't be, like, babying these, like,
0: grown men. men <laughs>
2: these grown-ass men who can't deal with their feelings either. But I think this is interesting. It's like, I think it's part of the reason, you know, why people had so many feelings about Happiest Season. Mm-hmm. Um, Not to, like, you know, conflate all queer storylines, but just because this was, like, recent and people had such strong reactions to it. People... Had such opinions about Mackenzie Davis's character not being out to her family, and found it really triggering that she was putting her partner through this, and that's why people were like, "Kristen Stewart's character shouldn't have to deal with this. This yeah. is like, this is putting way too much emotional labor on her that she didn't sign up for."
1: Yeah, does she not know that her partner's not out? Is that the plot?
2: Kristen Stewart doesn't know that Mackenzie's parents don't Mackenzie, know. Don't know. Yeah,
1: that's so they pretty show rough. up for the
2: holidays. Yeah, terrible. That's, that's a little and manipulative. Like, Obviously, that's not what's happening here, no, but... but like, I, I understand if you've gone through something like that, you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't want to do this again. Yeah. Um, My friend who identifies as a lesbian started dating women in college, and she was talking to me about Kelly in Arizona. She refused to come on the podcast because she's a stage manager. Um, <laughs> she, she called this kind of like the double standard of queerness um where she was like of course you want to be supportive of people exploring their sexuality but you don't want to be a casualty of it sure and and she compared it she was like to compare it she, she was like to translate it to you a straight person she's like it's just like dating somebody at a different stage of their life and she was talking about when she was young and she was in college and she had similar to you like a crush on somebody older she called it her ring of keys person oh
1: man and- <laughs> come on fun come on. home
2: and that person to her was like listen, you're just in a different phase of your life. You're still exploring. You're still figuring it out. Like, I'm not going to do that. And she's like, Megan, it'd be like you hooking up with a 22-year-old. You're just in a different phase of life. And like, maybe we can like make out and have a good time. But like, you're not ready to give me what I'm ready for.
1: Totally. I think there's also like what could be maybe perceived as like a level of convenience to hmm. the way Callie and Arizona start is that Arizona comes in is like, I've heard about you. People right. are talking and people are interested. And she's like, how do you know people are interested? Or like, how will I know? And they make out and she's like, you'll know. It could come across to Arizona that it's like, there's the other lesbian at the hospital. Right. And this is convenient because you already kissed me and we could just try it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that probably also happens in this type of queer relationship where it's like, oh, but you're you're older and you know what you're doing. And that's attractive to me because I have no idea what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, exactly. Where you could fall Arizona come Arizona comes in hot. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes, she does.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so hot. All
1: sense is the word.
2: Yes. I think that the only to take it back to Cal to what you were saying about how, what you admire about Callie's reaction to kind of fight to advocate for herself is I think that the difference is probably from other people that Arizona has been burned by or hypothetically that you could been the Mackenzie Davis character is that Callie's not unsure. Callie's not unsure that she likes women. She's not unsure that she wants to date Arizona and she's ready to come out when yeah. her dad comes to the hospital. She doesn't make this big deal about hiding it, for it. She just goes to for it, which we'll talk about in a second. But I think ultimately... If i under i would totally understand if somebody wanted to set this boundary that arizona has but i think if you're going to make an exception for somebody it makes sense that it's for because of the way Call- that yeah the way because cali handles it directly Completely. and is confident about it and i think that if you in any for any boundary if you're going to make an exception if you're for any exception if you're going to make it for somebody you it needs to be somebody that is fighting hard enough for you to break it, I feel like I make exceptions for people where I'm like, oh,
1: they just said they, they want would. me.
2: <laughs> they want me to make an exception for them. Yeah. I can tell by the way that they uh, locked eyes. With me. <laughs> I can tell by the way that they breathe. Two a.m. Um, <laughs> uh,
1: what a score this show oh, has! What a score! What
2: a score! How to save a life? Um, okay, so should we talk about Kelly's family?
1: Absolutely. I mean, are we ready? I think we're ready. I think that okay. Again, in terms of writing, honestly, sometimes Grays goes so hard to to do what people to do the opposite of what people think they're gonna do. And I think that they could have had at this time a very traumatic coming out with her very religious family. And it is traumatic right. to a point, but right. but literally the scene in which it happens is I think underneath the cold open of Meredith's monologue. It's like the first scene or something. And dad walks in about to beat the shit out of George. Callie's so like, like daddy, daddy, I need to show you who I'm dating. And just does it. And just fucking and does, just does it.
2: it.
1: Yep. Right there. And then we're left with that. After, like, yep. credits credits roll. Grey's Anatomy in all white right. over a black screen. And it's like,
2: <gasps> boop, boop, boop,
1: boop, boop, boop. we're um, on another show at this time. It would have been probably yeah. the end of the episode, maybe multiple episodes of buildup to a very traumatic Reckoning that maybe would go well, or maybe would be similar to how it goes for Callie in this episode, but it is still only really contained in an episode and then the fallout comes later, but Mm -hmm. it's less about like my dad hates me and more about like, I don't have any money anymore.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. So I think this is like a good segue into a conversation of like common complications, I think, of dating somebody newly out Mm -hmm. that Callie and Arizona specifically go through. And one of them is Callie coming out to her family. (laughs) You said it perfectly like we miss the big the big the big I'm hiding it from my family. We miss Mm -hmm. the happiest season plot because Callie is Callie and is so straightforward about it. And I'm sure for Arizona, I think Arizona was ready for her to lie to her Mm -hmm. dad. I don't think Arizona was expecting it at all. And, and then I think it's so impressive. She just she chooses to cut off her dad so easily. Like, it takes an episode for her to figure it out. I mean, compare that to Happy's season and all of these other plot lines where people are lying to their family for weeks, years, seasons at a time, then their partner has to deal with it. Like, Callie is so clear about what she deserves and doesn't deserve yeah. after george fucking o'malley she knows exactly what she how she deserves to be treated. she knows her worth and she knows that if her family can not accept her then they don't deserve to be in her life yeah and obviously that's like easier said than done but like fuck yeah Callie just fucking does it like that's what we can learn from
0: her yes
1: and i think it's incredible that a show at this time went that way when it would have been honestly from a, in terms of like content they could have gotten a lot of episodes out of out of that kind of plotline
2: oh my god and keep bringing back the guy from the princess diary yes
1: bring back the driver
2: <laughs> bring back the driver we want him every episode in our non-fictional lives when people are simple and clear about what they want mm-hmm. we it's refreshing to us as, as humans so i think that's why it was so refreshing to see callie do this and then let's talk about how arizona handles it beautifully she
1: handles so it beautifully so gracious
2: and kind about even, it even even after yeah.
1: having the plot of their relationship be to this point like or at the beginning that she's like i don't want to date a baby gay and then mm-hmm. so beautifully supporting her through her fair her parents and family's reaction to her coming mm-hmm. out when when she mere episodes before had been like i don't want to have to deal with that and then just is completely gracious and like gives her says all the right things so says all the right things to the parents i just like an ideal partner the Mm -hmm. speech the speech shall we play that speech
2: let's I, i think roll the tape most people think
3: that i was named for the state but it's not true i was named for a battleship the uss arizona my grandfather was serving on the Arizona when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and he saved 19 men before he drowned. Pretty much everything my father did his whole life was about honoring that sacrifice. I was raised to be a good man in a storm, raised to love my country, love my family, and protect the things I love. When my father, Colonel Daniel Robbins of the United States Marine Corps heard that I was a lesbian. He said he only had one question. I was prepared for, how fast can you get the hell out of my house? But instead, it was, are you still who I raised you to be? My father believes in country way that you believe in god and my father is not a man who bends but he bent for me because i'm his daughter i'm a good man in a storm i love your daughter and i protect the things i love not that i need to she doesn't need it she's strong and caring and honorable and she's who you raised her to
0: be so i
2: i do think that like obviously in an ideal world we'd want everybody to be as supportive and steadfast and kind for their partner as arizona is but i wonder what you think i i wonder if it does come with like some kind of place of privilege that her coming out story wasn't super traumatic Mm -hmm. and that this wouldn't be hearing a father yell at his daughter about how she's going to hell wouldn't be triggering for Arizona like Mm -hmm. I can understand that if that process was really horrible for you that you wouldn't want to relive it again totally with a partner
1: totally I am so so lucky that my coming out was also so easy literally my dad said are you sure and I was like "Uh uh-huh and then and then I went to summer camp <laughs> for mm-hmm. nine weeks and didn't talk to him that so easily could have been also the plot of this show is that also Arizona had a horrible coming out experience, and it is traumatic for mm-hmm. her, and that's why she doesn't want to do this. but to get an army brat coming out and their father saying what what the dad says, "Are you still a good man in a storm like mm-hmm. is is painting a beautiful example of what it really should be like for everyone what we can hope it can be like for everybody Mm -hmm. and and then how you can be to someone if you are a partner to somebody who is having that experience
2: um i think she is an example of like if you have the ability to be that giving and generous do it cheryl Strait says so excited to bring Cheryl straight back into this. She says, be 10 times more magnanimous... I can't speak today. Be 10 times more magnanimous than you believe yourself capable of being. Your life will be 100 times better of it. And Callie is 10 times more magnanimous in this situation than... Are we still making fun of me for not being able to say this word? It doesn't
1: <laughs> They get it. You they understand.
2: I mean. They understand. They understand. Yeah. Oh! Um... Um, Any other like early season Cali, Arizona things we want to talk about?
1: I think when Megan and I were preparing for this, we discovered that in those seasons, there is much less fodder for uh, conversation than we expected. Yeah. And granted, a lot of the things I watched were Calzona scene compilations. And I'm sure that they had plenty of scenes. Thank you, YouTube, so much. But I'm sure they had plenty of scenes separate from each other. But but for a while, they're just the healthy couple. They're just the yep. couple that gives each other kisses on the way to work, that says some funny things at lunch together, that like quibbles a little bit, but like they don't they don't have like blow up bad stuff until Arizona gets her mm-hmm. grant to go to Africa.
2: Yeah, until other people leave the show. Until other people um, leave the show and they're
1: main characters again.
2: The uh can we just talk about the wedding? The I wedding, yes, pick. yes. I love their wedding.
1: It is so sweet and beautifully wraps up the father relationship as we had talked about yeah is that
2: um yeah and for those who don't remember they're like to give a bit of background on it her family do they they refuse to attend it's not legal for them to get married at this so their their ceremony is a party is a party and her their parents basically shame them for this and call it like two women just dressing up and I love the way they do this episode because it's intercut with Meredith and Derek's wedding at the courthouse where they're literally just going to get the document signed. And I think it's this like, obviously, oh, it's guys, it's Grey's Anatomy. It's a little bit on the <laughs> nose. OK, but it's uh, there's literally an episode where Meredith like thinks something's going to change and she's holding a bomb like they know the subtlety is not Grey's thing. And
1: then the bomb but goes I Off.
2: <laughs> And R.I.P. I forgot the bomb went off also.
1: Yeah, same. And then I was like, okay, never mind. Doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> for me, as someone who I think I do want to be married at some point. I think I do like marriage. I think I do like marriage. And I love weddings as as an expression of commitment because we have Meredith and Derek who don't care about the ceremony. They just want to be legally bound to each other to show that they care about each other and are committing to each other. And for Calzona, it's not legal it's just a public beautiful display of commitment in front of everybody that they care about that they're committing to each other and that they're they dig this other person so much that they want to say it in front of everybody and i think like those are just two different things weddings and marriage can mean to people mm-hmm. and i just loved i just loved it and both I, great dresses
1: to pair it with them is very again on the nose of mm-hmm. of like, this is the successful couple. These are the successful couples, and we're we're getting mm-hmm. this for them. Like I think Greys probably could have ended very shortly after that had they not continued to be picked up or whatever. And like right, end it right. with a wedding or a funeral, you know?
2: Oh, that's true. Yeah. I don't I don't wish that. But I don't like, wish that
1: either. I think that there's probably I, something we could read somewhere that would tell us at what points Greys almost ended.
2: Almost ended. Yeah.
1: But this yes, we do wonder, get the moment when uh The father daughter dance happens, and Arizona's like, "Ooh, forgot to take that off the off the agenda." And magically Mm. out of thin air, Callie's dad is back at the wedding, Mm. all all gripes uh, thrown out the window, and they both get their beautiful father daughter dance moment. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's magic.
1: It's pretty magic.
2: It's magic. That's what I, I also am a sucker for um, having a supporting character do the ceremony, and so that's why I love Bailey saying um, that she believes there's a little bit of magic in this relationship.
1: Can we do an episode of Miranda Bailey? Absolutely. Just my, my relationship with Miranda Bailey.
2: <laughs> God, yes. That's the whole. That's all. Spinoff podcast. Good. Uh, <laughs> so let's uh, wrap up the episode the way we always do by talking about. Uh, who Callie and Arizona are in our non-fictional lives and ultimately do we ship it do we ship them on the show do we ship this situation in real life
1: I think at this point in the show if we leave it at the wedding I absolutely leave it it here I absolutely (laughs) ship it Um, there are some flaws later on down the line and ultimately I think the show decides for us that we no longer ship it unfortunately right. but also the writing shifts
2: (laughs) Yeah. And here's the thing I'd argue is like, I don't think they do the thing that we see in other marriages on TV, like Jim and Pam, or we just talked about Sutton and Richard, where it's like, how did you not talk about this before you got married? Mm -hmm. It's not like there were all these problems layered in totally that that they ignored before they got married. It was that literally things changed in their lives and they didn't make it through. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what do you think a Cali Arizona situation looks like in our non fictional lives? And and do you ship that? Cause for me, I think if I was like, oh, that's a cal that's a Calzona situation. That's a Calzone. That's a Calzona. Um,
1: <laughs> How we not I said that, that already.
2: I don't know. We have to go back we have to do the whole thing. We have to go back. <laughs> I think for me, it would look like a friend who you have seen in some terrible relationships, some heterosexual, some queer. It's seeing them find somebody who is just good to them and good for them. And Arizona is such like a confident, kind rock in just a sea of shit that Callie has gone through. So, yeah, I ship that. And I think I ship I ship them on the show because I think it's, it's cool that they pair them with Meredith and Derek in the wedding episode. Because I think they're kind of the opposite of Meredith and Derek in that... They're so in sync mm-hmm. and they only move forward in their relationship when they are on solid footing. Arizona isn't sure that she can take on the baggage of somebody who's newly, um, freshly out of the closet and she waits for Callie to kind of prove to her that she's there. So then it's solid footing and they can move forward. And Callie's having money problems and struggling with her family and she doesn't hide to that from Arizona. She tells Arizona and Arizona listens and then they, together on this solid footing, move forward it's not big acts of faith or risks it's really meeting somebody where they're at and deciding to like hold their hand and move forward together yeah until their leg comes off i think then they can't move forward together until
1: their leg comes i think i've seen a lot of even just this year very similar like somebody realizing their queerness within mm. the pandemic um mm. and i think to generalize that it'd be Someone who did I find very awesome, a la Callie, who -hmm. just has, like, not quite had it happen for them yet. And then it presents itself in a way that you're, like, they might have tilted their head at it for a second. And then it's just, like, zero to 60 makes 100% sense. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. I love that.
1: And, like, that's – so that's – it's glasses. I think that we all know somebody who – where they've been in relationships that just have not seemed right from the outside Mm – and then they get their fucking glasses. They get they get and fitted for contacts and everything makes in- sense.
2: They walk into that Warby Parker <laughs> and They're, they say, give me that. They give said, me those fit praise. those on my eyes. <laughs> those on my eyes. Oh my God, look at the leaves. <laughs>
0: look at the leaves.
1: I can see clearly now the leaves are clear.
2: And that's pride, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> that's pride. not pride. Oh, Kyle! Thank you for being here. Of
1: course, so of course.
2: Kyle, would you like to share where people can find you online to continue to hear your thoughts and in your and also get to hear your beautiful
1: singing? Voice? Oh, thank you. Um, I'm at Kfrat on Instagram at K F R A T T, and if you want to see me tweet ever so rarely, I think I'm at Kyle for teeny, um on Twitter, and I post a lot of pictures of other people's dogs and Drag Race uh that's all the
2: please that's all the content we need um all right everyone and you can find the podcast at talking ship podcast on instagram and tiktok you can visit talking podcast.com i'm at only megan 815 on instagram and twitter and uh come find us tell us your thoughts about cali in arizona and any of the other relationships on grace anatomy that you want to hear about because now i'm ready to go now i'm now i'm in it and i want another excuse to go back and keep watching because it's highly addictive there are plenty turns out <laughs> turns out hot take grace anatomy pretty good
1: <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe nobody's Our- found the show before
2: i know you guys it's this really indie show um only a couple on like seasons AMC. yeah it's a couple seasons i think maybe it's just on youtube <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right everyone we're here every thursday talking about relationships from tv so join us next week goodbye Bye.
0: <laughs>